Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. We're going to round out our series on parenting and the Enneagram, and my friend Billy Kilgore is here to help us with that as we look at types one, two, and three, and how the Enneagram can help these types to be the best version of themselves as a parent. Also, I highly recommend that you do a Google search of Billy Kilgore, our guest, and just look up some of the great articles that he's written for the Washington Post, Motherwell, Scary Mommy, and many other online uh, websites that he's written for. If you just Google him, you'll find some great articles. So I wanted to highlight that about him. And we do have a few spots left for our upcoming workshop. Um, understanding yourself and others through the Enneagram, which will be at Adele's Crepery on the south side. That's uh, September the 17th, and it's from 9 to 12.30, and you can look that up at eventbrite.com. So I hope that you'll join us for that. But we're so happy to have you today as we delve into this episode on Enneagram and and parenting. Thanks for joining us. is a great segue to my next topic which is a one parent (laughs) (laughs) so a little bit about being a one parent is um you know responsibility is probably a middle name for anybody who identifies with Enneagram one and as a parent they would teach that responsibility to their children a one parent probably would teach a child to um, you know, get their stuff together, get the homework done, get their planner done, get their room clean, make their bed, which all sets up for them being successful in school, successful in college, successful in, you know, at, at, at workplace, et cetera. They also would probably teach their children about social justice, a lot of right, wrong, a lot of, um, you know, black, white issues and have a very clear sense this of a moral compass this mm. is the right this is wrong this is what you do this is what you simply don't do because it's wrong um so that's a gift of a one they also um are great setting routines and structures so if you want a family calendar if you want to know who is where at what time on what day who needs to be where on time a one parent execute without any issues um, they also, I, I feel like I keep boasting, like there's so many good things about a one uh, Boundaries. We do not struggle with setting boundaries. Again, it's very clear cut. There's no great, very little great space. This is, you know, you just don't do it. You don't allow people to do it and boundaries set and we're good to go. We don't lose sleep over it. Now onto the growing age edges. So we're not super spontaneous. And a one parent probably could um, use a little bit more um, oomph in that area, kind of like let's just forget the forget the schedule and let's just go and draw, or let's you know you didn't do your homework, no big deal. Let's just go for a walk, whatever. Let's go to the playground. Um, they could really um, use a little bit of um, strengthening the spontaneity. Spontaneity. Um, part of life and raising their kids. 
Um, they also um, are probably putting a little too much expectation in their children and forget that kids are kids and they don't have to be great at everything or whatever they want them to be great at. You don't have to be perfect to be loved. You don't have to be perfect to be great and successful. Um, and you don't have to parent your children and make them against your own image, after your own image into uh, Enneagram One Juniors. Like this is not a Girl Scout, Boy Scout. You don't have to have them like you are because that's the right way to be. Um, and also we preach, we teach. I was telling Christy before we were um, taping, I said, how fitting. We're taping a parenting episode when I'm having a very difficult parenting moment. So my 16-year-old, who is an eight, I'm pretty sure, we had, you know, without going too much detail, a one, me, who was right, and an eight, her, who was very challenging to me, who knew I was right. And, you know, it, it, it could be tough um, just, just maneuvering, you know, your righteousness and your preaching us and kind of not letting it get out of control, which I think we, I did last night. So anyway, but nor here, nor there. Billy, my question to you is this, what are some ways, and I think parenting I think it like especially now we all want to be good at it like sometimes there's like a parenting competition like i'm a better parent i love my kid more i support them more i want to be you know perfect in every aspect of parenting nobody's fucking up we're all just crushing it yeah. um how how do we get out of that i have to do this parenting thing perfectly or otherwise I will ruin my child forever and they will have to have millions of dollars for therapy you know for the rest of their lives because I did not do it right so how do you let go of being a perfect parent yeah this is a really hard one because I think you're right about the culture we're in right now for parenting you know, everybody is trying so hard to be perfect, you know, trying to use this method or that method to be better. And, you know, it does feel like a, a big competition at times. Um, yeah, I, I thought about this question and, you know, I really struggled to answer it. I actually asked some other dads that I know in a Facebook group. It's a really thoughtful group of dads. and. I sort of put the question out there to them. And, you know, the, the theme that I saw in their answers is, you know, it seems like the first step is to accept that perfect is unachievable. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's impossible. You know, parents are human beings. You know, we make mistakes endlessly. You know, striving for perfection is, is wasting energy and time it's just exhausting and so seems to me like if we can come to grips with that and accept that as much as we would like perfect to happen it, it's not going to you know if we can accept that it, that it's unachievable you know that can really turn things around 
in our minds and give us a different point of view. And so, you know, if they, if, if perfect isn't possible, then, then what is, you know, and, and that's where I feel like there's an opening and we can talk about what it means to be uh, a human being and a parent at the same time and how it's our nature to make mistakes and that things are going to be messy and we're going to struggle. And, you know, really it's the mistakes that are the most helpful part because that's where we learn and grow and become better people. And so mistakes are not the enemy necessarily and can actually you know, be some of the more teachable moments. Um, so, yeah, I really struggled with this question, but I appreciated the dads who, you know, sort of shared their answers with me. And, you know, I just kept hearing over and over, you know, just the importance of accepting that perfect is not possible, <laughs> um, which might be a radical message in our culture right now. Yeah. Thank you. I like how Brown differentiates between healthy striving and perfection because basically she says that perfection is not possible but there can be this healthy striving and like this moving towards um wholeness you know um moving towards integrating all nine numbers is how the Enneagram would put it that we want as parents like to um not just parent out of our own number but to like look to all nine numbers to help us and to um sort of cultivate even those needed childhood messages of all nine numbers into our child so let's talk about um the twos for a moment as parents um so they're in the heart triad and they have this gift of connecting heart to heart with their child um i think uh most twos their children feel very loved and very seen um, by the two. Um, they, they pour a lot into their children. Um, if anything, the two uses all like five of the love languages. When we think about Gary Chapman's love languages, they're, they're caring, giving, and, and invested in their children. They're giving compliments and gifts and affection and a, a listening ear. So the two is just very good at being generous. Like that might be a, a word to describe a two. Um, but because they're so invested in their child, when it comes time for the empty nest, um, I, and I've seen this with clients, they have a really, really hard time with the empty nest because there also can be a little bit of codependency that they find, or a lot of codependency, they find themselves like in their child and their identity and meeting their child's needs and making sure that their child seems, feels very seen and loved. Um, and, uh, and that's similar to the nine. The nine can also do that as well in different ways. Um, they're, they're empathetic, but that can also lead them to move into the fixer role um, of trying to fix whatever hardship that their child faces. And um, they also struggle with boundaries. So they have to get really clear about boundaries um, with their children. And then what we know about the twos is that they often neglect their own self-care needs because they find, you know, just such a value of meeting other people's needs. And so for, for a two parent, starting to meet some of their own needs is imperative. Um, and I think that if twos are married, like the one, they can start to overfunction, especially if they have a one wing, they can overfunction in the role of parent. Um, and then the talk style, again, we're looking at the talk style for every number and it's help and advice for the two. 
And that's okay, maybe when the child is young, but it gets super annoying when you have a teenager or adult child who doesn't want your health advice anymore. Like they're trying to find their own sort of sense of self and like, you know, they can find their own answers online, on the internet or in books, wherever they want to find them. And so they get a little bit annoyed with the two parent who's like, let me help you. Let me advise you. Let me give you a suggestion. Um, and so two parents do have to be careful, careful of this just to listen and to come alongside their child and to be with them, but not necessarily to advise them or to rescue and help them. So um, it would be sort of um, my thoughts for the two. Um, so do you have any advice for parents on how they can refrain from finding their sense of self in their child. And of course, all nine numbers can become codependent, but twos and nines tend to do that more than other numbers. Oh, I would say go to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm being serious, you know, I think uh, doing the work of raising your self-awareness um, you know, doing your own healing, you know, really helps you become more aware of how you're trying to find your sense of self in your child. Um, and if you don't want to go to therapy, you know, I think a wise friend, you know, could also help you sort of pick that apart and, and realize what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I, I would say go to therapy. <laughs> Yeah, I think therapy, spiritual direction, um, having maybe even a, a support group with other parents where you're reading a book together or something and looking at, you know, um, yeah. together. There can be ways that you learn to kind of refrain from that. Thank you. Yeah, go into therapy. And we're all in therapy. Just, just, just <laughs> on and off, right, guys? Like, yep. we yep. all are advocates of therapy. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, self-awareness is key. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, I'm going to wrap it up with last but not least, and that is Enneagram three parents. So threes are natural motivators and they would be the same with their children. So they would push their children to do their best and achieve their goals and teach their kids to be organized and self-motivating and assertive and maybe even know how to self-promote themselves and work hard. And a three parent would probably expose their children to more activities. I would say seven and three to more activities than any other parent type. And you, you know, if you want to do academia and sports and dance and draw and, and sing and everything else in the world, we can do it. It also would be a parent where, you know, the kid would into the living room and said, I want to be a president. And maybe some of us would be like, sounds good but let's just move a little bit a three would be like totally yeah and feel it and believe it and would follow it up with okay now let's talk about your platform like who, who am I going to get on board and who you know can I be your campaign manager whatever so three would be that person and truly mean it um what they could get in trouble in is being a little too pushy and pushing their kids for success and um, uh, identifying the value with success and how many goals you've made and how many A's you've gotten, et cetera, et cetera, because a three 
would um, sort of value themselves and accept themselves um, according to their achievements. And they might project a little bit of that onto their kids. So they might want to be careful with that. Um, threes work hard. Um, they could fall into a area of being a workaholic. So, you, you know, they might um, model to their children that, you know, it's not okay to sit and do nothing. It's not okay to do something just for the fact that you have got to continuously do it and achieve and be better at it. A three also could be a parent, you know, have you ever seen that dad who, you know, might have wanted to play football in high school, but for whatever reason didn't, but he just wants his boy to play football and the boy may want to be in ballet, but by God, we are playing football because <laughs> I feel like that dad has missed out in high school and now he wants that kid to play football because yeah. he did. That could be a three pair. Yeah. So not to be too hard on threes, but Billy, I want to ask you, how do you think we can give our kids permission to, to be who they are instead of falling into a trap of pressuring them to be whom we want? Um, so recently I was listening to a, a wise psychologist talk about ADHD because my my oldest kid was diagnosed with it in second grade and so I was listening to him talk about parenting and you know he really said over and over again that you have to parent the kid that you got not the one that you want you know whatever the universe sends your way is what you have to to deal with and that really you know, struck me. And, you know, I think that's a really important thing for parents to think about, um, especially a three, you know, who wants to shape a kid a certain way. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, something important for a three to think about. And as far as giving permission to the kid, um, you know, I think that's about, you know, making space, you know, about being intentional, about giving your kid the, the chance to bring their true self into the room and to not crowding them out with your expectations or your rules or what you think they should be doing with their life. And, you know, that can be easier said than done um, because backing off is really hard when it comes to, to kids. But, um, yeah, I think you have to be intentional about making that space for their true self to be able to show up. And, and that's, I think, really hard for someone who sets out on a mission to make their kid into the star football player or, you know, has their sights set on them being a doctor or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's about self-awareness too, you know, go to therapy, <laughs> figure figure out why you're trying to make your kid be uh, a football player or a doctor or whatever you want them to be. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, as, as a four, I'm going to make space for that child, <laughs> you know, give them the room they need to figure things out. I like that parenting who you have and not who you want. I think that that's important, taking that maybe a step 
forward of celebrating who you have, you know, and just like, mm-hmm. I think thing that um, all of us deeply need um, is to, is to be, to be seen and, and celebrated um, just as we are. And so, yeah, Billy, um, I want you to have a chance to have any sort of final thoughts that, that you have um, about parenting, um, about anything really, uh, just kind of your Jerry Springer, Springer final thoughts uh, moments. Uh, well, first off, thanks for in, inviting me to talk with y'all today. It's been a lot of fun and this is such an interesting topic to think about how the Enneagram applies to parenting. Uh, You know, I'm not sure what's out there, but you know, this is a a real book opportunity if anybody wants to go for it. (laughs) It might be at least a chapter somewhere. Because I mean, I I don't be a parenting expert um, and you don't either the way that you've given such sage advice about not doing things certain way of meeting what your child needs but still that would work well with Instagram of meeting what your child needs based on their personalities I could see you doing that yeah um I guess for a a final thought uh I did do a little bit of reading this past week on fours just to kind of brush up on it and I found this quote by Don Riso I think that's how you say his name and I feel like it really kind of captures the essence of a four. So if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll read this quote and uh, I'll stop there. Fours are the deep sea divers of the psyche. They delve into the inner world of the human soul and return to the surface, reporting on what they have found. They are able to communicate subtle truths about the human condition in ways that are profound, beautiful, and affecting in a fundamental way fours remind us of our deepest humanity that which that which is most personal hidden and precious about us but which is paradoxically also the most universal Um, yeah i thought that was really beautiful and precise and if somebody asked me what is a four i I would want to hand them that quote Yeah, yeah, and I think that, you know, reminding us of our deepest humanity, gosh, fours, that makes the four a really great parent, because they just allow their child to be fully human, to feel feel their pain, and feel their feelings, and go inside themselves, and they just give them permission to be human, and not perfect, and so that's, that's, uh, I affirm you as, as a parent, you're a good, a good father to your two boys and so thank you for being here billy thank you billy yeah thanks for having me y'all have a good day you too too. bye billy bye-bye after this word from our sponsor you're welcome to join us for a short meditation i'd like for our meditation today to have a by Carl Jung that will serve as the focal point for our meditation. He said, if there is anything that we wish to change in the child, we should first examine it and see whether it is not something that could better be changed in ourselves. Let's 
start today with prayer hands at our heart. Just allow your thumbs to touch your torso. Wherever you are, rooting down into your seat, finding length up through the crown of the head and start to breathe from the belly button all the way up to the top of the chest. And then send that breath back down towards the belly button. And again, breathing in. Breathing out. Settle into that rhythm of the breath. Breathing in. Breathing out. And you'll continue to breathe throughout this meditation. And so as we think about examining ourselves, Examine how you might be more like the type one, how you might have more integrity, how you might live more purposefully, how you might be more structured in the rhythm of your day. Find a breath in and a breath out. let's think about the helper, the Enneagram 2, and how we might embody more of their virtues. How can we be more affectionate, generous, and empathetic? Breathing in, breathing out. And the three, the achiever. How can we be more of a motivator, cheerleader, more driven towards success and showing up fully? in the world and then breathe in breathe out and then thinking about the four the individualists how can we be more introspective in touch with our feelings more creative and breathe in, breathe out. Thinking about the five, the investigator. How can we be more in touch with our intellectual self, more grounded, and seek more time to be alone and be still. Breathe in. Breathe out. And then the six, the loyalist. How can we be more committed, more responsible, more engaged 
in the community and inviting others to have a place where they belong. Breathe in. Breathe out. And the seven, the enthusiasts. How can we be more playful, more fun-loving, more spontaneous? Breathe in. Breathe out. And then the eight, the challenger. How can we be more confident, more assertive, more of a protector of others and this world? Breathe in. Breathe out. And the nine, our peacemaker. How can we be more easygoing? More peaceful? More reassuring? And breathe in. And breathe out. Have those hands at your heart and find a few more breaths in and out. And then let's come back to the words from Carl Jung. If there is anything that we wish to change in the child, we should first examine it and see whether it is not something that could be better changed in ourselves. Namaste, friends.